Peace, everyone, and welcome to the Healing Space Podcast. I am Sensei Raven Akundayo. And I'm Brandon Harris Williams. <laughs> we are here today to give you guys a dose of everything that is pop culture, get you healing a little bit, you know. But before we talk go, about talk about, of course, you know. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> but before we go into that, there are a few things that, you know, a few notes and things we need to get out the way before we start giving you your uh, pop culture fix. So first, we'd like to thank all of you for interacting with us on social media, for giving us phone calls, for texting us when it comes to your feedback about the Healing Space podcast. It has been awesome. You know, it's been constructive feedback. It's been praise. It's been really good. You've received some good stuff, too, right, Brandon? No, oh, definitely. Um, people who have, like, have really, like, said, oh, I wish y'all maybe would have discussed this a bit further. I really like when y'all talked about that or just different things. So it's been nothing but positive. Yeah. I've heard back. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> last week's really got some really good feedback. I had more than one person contact me and let me know how they felt about Joy that they were inspired by a lot of the things that she had to say. So that made me feel really good. And also, you guys are forever telling me about how you love the dynamic between Brandon and I. So, you know. <laughs> well, thank you. I mean, I do what I can. Mm-hmm, I guess. But yeah, so it's great that you all appreciate our banter. It really means a lot. Uh, to further that, because this show is about your healing and us healing as well. So we want to interact a little bit more with you guys. <clears throat> So if you're inter- if you're interested, excuse me, in contacting us, you can do that on Instagram, uh, the Healing Space Instagram page, which is all lowercase T H S podcast, and you can hit us up, DM us there with any questions that you have, or you can email us love at revolution, which is revolution just with an A instead of an E, revolutionmultimedia.com. You can email us there, love at revolutionmultimedia.com with any questions any comments and we'll definitely get back to it because next week is going to be a full hour of just myself and Brandon talking pop culture and anything else that comes to us. So we'd love to be able to answer some of your questions straight off the dome. dome. (laughs) (laughs) You know how we do. (laughs) Mm, Not too much. We're just starting the show. Thanks. Anyway, so with that being said, we're going to get into our weekends. So how was your weekend, Mr. BHW? Um, pretty boring because I don't do much, but no. Um, True. Since I start, excuse me? Mm-mm, keep going. Go ahead. Living that making I life. I started my new job. Don't be giving out my location. Wait a minute. <laughs> I started my new job. Um, my weekends are mainly going to be me like studying and doing homework and different stuff to be like caught up. During the week, because I'll be like class in the mornings or school in the evening. So I was just mainly just doing homework and trying to catch up on some rest before life gets, you know, kind of hectic a little bit. So it wasn't like super, super exciting. Sorry. But what about you? It's getting, it's getting, it's getting kind of hectic. You know? Atlanta life is amazing. It would have been more amazing if I was up there at uh, Yvonne and Issa's party last night, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) Saturday night? Listen. I had a great Saturday night, but it would have been extremely awesome-tastic if I could have been in that same space with all of that black excellence. That would have been phenomenal. Definitely, uh, like, a really good time on their IG story. Listen, like, well, if... And then there's somebody, and then there's so... And then, like, all of y'all are really filming in Atlanta right now. All like, of y'all, listen, like, 
how are there so many things going on in Atlanta? So many black movies, shows. I love it. Oh, it's so sexy. But uh, but anyway, so yesterday I taught yoga. You know, as mm-hmm. always, twelve thirty to two p.m. Jeans Body Tech, seven hundred Miami Saturday, Circle. Wink, wink. Which is that? Is that on Saturday? Saturdays, of course, every Saturday. Okay. Coming in and get your yoga on. But anyway, class was really good. You know, they told me that they really felt it. So that's what I'm always going for. And also changing up. So I definitely made sure I changed the class up a little bit for them. Had some excitement. Um, If you want to check out some of the videos and pictures, you can go to the Love Movement's IG page, which is We Are TLM, W-E-A-R-E-T-L-M, to see some of my students getting their flow on. But then after that, um, uh, one of my students, we just hung out for the rest of the day. We went bar hopping. That was really cool. Um, we were in Midtown. Then we ended the night at one of his boys' houses. Um, we went there to chill out. And it was like, i say probably five of us just chilling, having really cool conversation. And then we got into astrology. And it was definitely one of the best astrological conversations I've had in a long time. Like, it was really, really good. And uh, I think what what I appreciated about it was that all of us were open to hearing each other's opinions and we respected it. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Um, so often when I'm talking about astrology, people are very closed and they're not willing to hear you and what it is that you have to say. They don't want to receive it. And when they say stuff back to me, I make sure that I'm open to receiving it as well. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I tell people in a heartbeat, you can tell me about Scorpio. All of the negatives about Scorpio are true. So that's why it blows me when people are like, that's not true about such and such sign. I'm like, no, it is. <laughs> it may not necessarily be you, but it's true of your sign. You feel me? <laughs> so it was uh, myself, a Scorpio slash Sag, uh, two other Sagittarius, a Capricorn and an Aries. So definitely some of those signs are not the easiest audience. So that's what, that's what made it so awesome that all of us were able to engage the way that we did. And when it was all said and done, what made me feel good is that all of them were like, you were dead on with every single thing you said about us. Even the Capricorn who put up quite a fight in the beginning, like that's not me in the beginning. I mean, in the, in the end throughout the conversation and all of us being able to hear each other, even he realized, okay, these are my positive aspects and these are my negative aspects that we have to work on. And that's what I was saying to them. I was like, the whole thing isn't, shaming we all have positives and negatives to our signs but we have to be willing to understand that that's who we are none of us are perfect you feel me Mm -hmm. so every time somebody brings up a negative of your sign denying it and saying that it's not you doesn't help in your growth and your evolution you got to be able to pull yourself back and say okay that is some stuff that i've done in the past i can acknowledge that because when it was all done all of us were able to reflect back on things we've done before and be like wow here's how i can be better you know Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why it was one of the best conversations I've ever had as far as astrology, because all of us walked away with a lot of wow, aha moments. And uh, one of the dudes actually said to me that he feels like I either need to do a whole episode about it on uh, my podcast or I need to actually go out and speak on it. He was like, that's how at one point I was about all the signs. Do both. I support it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, So, yeah, I think that might actually be a thing. Because uh, I, I think that I might want to do an actual Healing Space Town Hall about that kind of stuff. I think that would be pretty cool to do in Atlanta. Um, but yeah, so after that was done, that that made for a great night. The crazy thing is, is that when we bounced, it was like 1030. 
And it literally felt like that conversation was so good that when we left, I knew it was a smooth 12, 30 a.m., 1 a.m. And when I saw it was mm-hmm. 10, 50, I was like, well, shit. Like, <laughs> the night is still young as heck. But uh, <laughs> but we were tired. Like like I told you, like I think my student, he, he goes to the gym before he comes to yoga. And okay. so I did yoga, and then we bar hopped and all that stuff. So I'm like, no, we're worn. So... He dropped me off, went home to his baby, and that was the end of the night for both of us. Um, so just FYI, we're recording this on Sunday. So Brandon and I can't really give you what our Sunday was like because it's still in the midst of happenings. <laughs> <laughs> right, I was like, he keeps saying yesterday. I was like, um, okay, right. it airs on Tuesday. So <laughs> I was trying to help you out. I was like, you mean on Saturday? You mean on Saturday? <laughs> I, I appreciate that you was always helping me out because I was doing my best. I was like, I'm going to be thorough. I'm going to make sure we always have them thinking this took place <laughs> on Tuesday. And you usually do a good job. Today, I don't know what you got going on. <laughs> no, I was like, but because I decided that I was like, look, we can't do this no more. I feel like it would be easier for both of us if we can just be like, listen, we record this on Sunday. It airs on Tuesday. <laughs> okay. Let a thing be a thing, as Ayala would say. <laughs> you better quote two bangs. You better quote her. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, but, yeah. So, those are our weekends. Real chill. Okay. And, uh, okay. So, next up. Oh, to, just to let you guys know, if you're interacting with us on the IG page for the Healing Space podcast, when you're on there, some of the posts about pop culture are posted by me, but other ones are information that Brandon sends over to me so that I can post, uh, because he's really big with pop culture on Twitter, if you guys aren't walking with him on Twitter. <laughs> but <laughs> when he sends me those links, all of the captions are done by me. So just FYI, any captions that you read, even though it has his name, I'm the one captioning them because, you know, he, he, he don't have time to post on the page. So I make sure I do the work for him. But anyway, <laughs> no, that that is true because he was going to do it. He was going to post all the pictures, but I was like, well, they need to have captions. So he had to. Gr- I was like, What's the caption? <laughs> what is that? Captions. Who does those? Everybody else but me, clearly. Clearly. I just post pictures, and you guys are supposed to get into the pictures. Thanks. Literally, that's all I do. I'll be like, boom. And then I go on about my day. Okay, so before we get into uh, the the shows and everything, I'd like Mm -hmm. for uh, you to share your Pay It Forward for this week. For you guys who aren't familiar with Pay It Forwards, this is something that I used to do a lot at Storytellers, which is my open mic in Baltimore, we would do pay it forwards where we would tell people stories about different ways that we helped people and ask them to just pay that energy forward. The thing, the way that we do it on the podcast is that we shine a light on someone else in the community. This could just be a friend who we want to let people know about how awesome they are, or it could be a small business or something of that nature. Just our way of putting positive energy out there to somebody else other than ourselves. So Brandon, who's your pay it forward for this week? Um, I have for for this week is uh, one of my friends. He's also a screenwriter. His name is Joseph Gonzalez. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I'm horrible with names, so <laughs> if he hears this, please don't beat me up. <laughs> but listen, um, but no, his uh, his bleh, his web series is called Unconditional Love, and um, it's it's an LGBT uh, web series. It explores the ups and downs of a modern day you know romance between a black gay couple. Mm-hmm. And they're just really trying to, like, figure out, you know, life and figure out themselves and each other. I really, really love it. Again, it's called Unconditional Love. You you type in Unconditional Love 
series on YouTube. It'll definitely come up. So you should all check that out. It's really, really good. It's in season two, and the episodes are out Sunday nights at 6 p.m. So <clears throat> it's a weekly thing, so, you know. But it's like, I think, 12 episodes in season two, and it was 9 or 10 in season one. So And tonight is episode four of season two. So I really, really enjoy it. It's a dramatic series, but it's not... I'm not going to shake nobody else's series. You should just check it out <laughs> and watch, you know. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to be nice today. I'm going to be nice today. Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's a struggle for me at times. Mm-hmm. You know? We're we're all healing in different ways. We're all we <laughs> are. We are. Okay. Let me let me spin that. Let me spin that. Let me try to spin that. Um, <laughs> it's not rated TV mature like some other web series are. <laughs> I did that. I did that. Good job. Good job. Working on it. Good job. That's the whole purpose of the podcast. There are so many different ways to heal. (laughs) So many different ways to heal. We all healing from different things. Absolutely. And this is where you do it, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And with that being said, it's time to heal through pop culture. So let's go into some of our favorite shows, give a breakdown of all the things that we love and why. So with that being said, let's start with TGIT. Give it to him, Brandon. Um, Grace uh, came back last week. This was the second episode. Technically the third. Since last week, it was two hours. Um, I know a lot of y'all might not watch Grace, but that's Shonda's bread and butter. So, you know, I know y'all just didn't learn her until Scandal. But, you know, she had been working (laughs) for a minute before then. Whatever. (laughs) Um... Grace was still really good as usual, you know, as it always is. I enjoyed it. Well, most weeks, like 99% of the time, I just enjoy it. Uh, we're still dealing with, you know, Amelia's surgery. Um, I don't necessarily want to give too much away, or do you want me to give away all the spoilers? I'm not sure. Listen, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Um, so, Amelia finally told everybody about her, well, towards the end of the episode, she finally told everybody about her tumor. We found out that she's had the tumor in her brain for like 10 years. And I was like, okay, that's the whole time that we've known this character. Right. So I'm like, because I think even you were saying, I can't remember if you said it on the podcast or not, but you were like, what if they change how she acts completely after they remove the tumor? Because this is the only way that we've ever seen her or known her. Yeah. And I'm like, that's definitely a possibility. You know what I'm saying? Because even the other doctor who came in to like help her remove, was going to remove the tumor for her, not help her, but he, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> was saying though that it's the part of in her brain where the tumor is is like affects her judgment calls and everything else and so it's like she might really be a completely different person after they finally get it out yeah very interesting to see um meredith was uh her therapist from after derek when because it was her therapist when derek died right yeah i forgot that she had two different yeah she's had two she had a woman and then she had this man yeah. Actually, she, wait a minute. She's actually had more than that. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, because I didn't even remember the man. I was like, I recognized his face, but I, was like, I can't remember when she saw him. I'm so I'm glad we had the same moment. <laughs> we had the same moment. I was like, he looks familiar, I, but why? I, right? I was like, but you know I, how I feel about Derek's death, so that's probably why it didn't register to me. Um, <laughs> Shady. <laughs> Shady. I, I mean, bye. I mean, whatever. <laughs> So he was in the hospital, and then she was pretty much still using him as her therapist to help deal with her issues with Rick. And we finally got to the root of it, where she was like, she wants Rick to take advantage of his opportunities since Bacon came back from the dead. 
because Derek is unable to. Right. So, I thought you still blocking your happiness, but I get you, girl. <laughs> I get you. So, did you have any thoughts about Grace? That was the that was the main stuff. Oh, well, absolutely. And and the shade of you continues because clearly death means nothing to you since <laughs> since those are the two main storylines. Harper Listen. Harper Avery is dead now. <laughs> <laughs> I literally thought about that as soon as I said that was the, yeah, the main stuff. But for any long-term so. for, for any long-term person, uh, people who are dedicated to constantly <laughs> watching every season, you are very familiar with Har- Harper Avery. <laughs> he is the grandfather of Jackson Avery. Um and uh the what father-in-law of Catherine Avery. And yeah. well, ex well, Yeah, at, right, or, right. Or <laughs> like how does that work? But right, yeah, so they still have a better relationship than him and his son. But that's the difference. That's a whole reason. Listen, <laughs> so he uh, he literally killed over and died on this episode. Right after uh, he fired Bailey. Right. And so they were like, "Well, nobody knows that you were fired, but you still got your job." Like, <laughs> I don't know why I feel like that's gonna come back to haunt them though. Um, come to find out, because remember he fired her, but then they left the room. So come to find out, he made a phone call to let somebody know. You feel me? Listen, Sean is good for adding in a new damn character that we don't need. <laughs> Ugh. Well, why should be damn Joe's husband as the new chief? Yes, Joe's husband. <laughs> that's, oh. a very, that's a very good point, though. It and really could. Joe and Alex decided to move back in together. I forgot about that. Yeah. I'm, I'm warming up to Joe. I have not liked her for a long time. She's starting to get on my good side. I hope she don't mess it up. <laughs> I'm starting to like her. Slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. <laughs> well, I'm continuing, and I don't know why his name doesn't stick in my head, but uh, what's the name? The the one who lives with Arizona. What's his name again? DeLuca. DeLuca will really not name stick. His name will not stick. But well, she will leave. I, I, really, pff, I really love his sister. <laughs> I really, really love her. Like I enjoy her, but I'm like, is every plot line going to focus on sex? I mean, I yeah. get it the third episode that we've seen her, but I'm like, <clears throat> every time we open her mouth, it'll have to be about sex. I know there's more to her than that. Like, yeah. You know. I absolutely agree. And, and and when she did it, there was, because when she first started talking to them about the woman, I was thinking to myself, okay, well, the, the information she's about to share is going to show that she's she, she can contribute more than just things having to do with orgasms. You feel me? And mm-hmm. when it once again came back to orgasms, I was like, oh, no. <laughs> like, right? I need for that to be more depth. It's not like this is their first lesbian character on the show either. So it's like, right. why are they now all of a sudden reducing <laughs> lesbian <laughs> characters to sex? Like, this is like the sixth one, maybe? You know, like, <laughs> you know. But yeah, okay. So that that's I think pretty much the gist of Grey's Anatomy. So what about the returning scandal final season? I want to let you go first because I think you had more to say than I did. True. Okay. Um, okay. I don't want to. You say I feel too strongly, and then you don't have nothing to say. So I want you to go first with scandal, <laughs> and then I will add in my commentary. Okay. How about that? So what what I will say about scandal is that, and this is I'm going to start off with this, and then I can go further in. Okay. If Olivia Pope does not die at the end of the the final episode, this was a waste of time. The whole series or the I won't say the I won't say the whole series. Definitely not the whole series, but this final season, it would have been a waste of time if she does not die at the end. And the reason why I say that is because there are a lot of people who champion Carrie, not Carrie Washington. Lord, I love her. 
um, you know, I, I despise Olivia, <laughs> which means that Carrie's clearly pl- playing the role well. But mm-hmm. a lot of people champion her, and they love how mm-hmm. cold and calculating and very matter-of-fact mm-hmm. she is. A lot of people love her because it's a black woman in power, and I get that. And that's it. And that's- right. Um, but my issue is you have to get past the black woman in power and see how cold she is. You feel me? Like, I was watching the first episode with a friend, and he was going up for how cold she was being to everybody. And I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> there's, there's nothing okay with the way that she treats people. Not at all. At, at, oh, listen, that's been my issue since season one. Because I feel like she's never, just quickly interject, I feel like she's never, like, checked. Like, Abby was always the main one who would, like, question her and say stuff. But they always made it seem like Abby was, like, wrong for doing that. And so that's why I've always, like, been more of a fan of Abby than Olivia. That's the reason why. That's my popular opinion, but. Right. (laughs) That's that's the reason why when Abby came into that room in the um, underground in the White House after uh, Olivia killed Andrew, I'm sitting there, like, pick up a chair and hit Olivia. Like, don't let her scare you like that. Like, no. And I'm sorry, if it was up to me, the person who would end up killing her in the end would be Abby, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. But my whole thing is, well, either Abby or her father, because her father is the one you would never expect to do it. But my thing is, is that I'm not saying this out of a thing of, that bitch needs to die. No, that's, I'm coming from a, I'm coming from a (laughs) storyline perspective. I'm coming from a a perspective of comeuppance. You feel me? So I'm not coming from a perspective of just because I can't stand her, that would be petty. I'm coming from a perspective of, if you're doing this storyline-wise, she is literally determined she's going to have everything and she will run through everyone to do it. If we're coming from a realistic storyline of character arc, the only way this ends for her is bad, you know? You're determined you're going to take out everybody. Well, there are a lot of people who are are determined they're going to take you out because of it. You feel me? Exactly, because we've seen, like, over the course of the past six seasons, how I think literally every other character has faced some kind of, like, consequence, some kind of, like, punishment, some kind of, like, you you did wrong, like, let me slap your hand, like, from her. Right. Because, because of how they've treated her. Like, literally everybody on the show. Yeah. And with her, it's never any punishment. It's all, it's like she can do literally no wrong. And that's really, like you're saying, it's not a, because I don't like the character, it's really how it's being written. Like, it's literally as if she is, always right even when she's the most wrong person in the room right she is always right she is always going to win and it's like like you're saying it's, i think it's because it was a black woman in power and that was cute in seasons one and two but right we've seen her do enough bad in the rest of the show to where she needs some kind of like punishment some kind of because I, I think right you're right at this point she probably doesn't need to die for it to make sense but like because like maybe earlier on it could have been some kind of like punishment or some kind of like she had a chance to redeem herself right she's gotten worse and worse and worse. <laughs> and worse and worse. And worse, so, yeah. <laughs> and when she like, was, like, going off on Melly in the pilot, I'm like, you're really just, like, manipulating her. You're not, like... And Melly should be smart enough at this point to see through her. They all should be. Yes. So I'm just, like... Or even how she's, like, still punishing Cyrus because Cyrus was, quote-unquote, behind the whole thing last season. Right. But it's, like... But him doing that helped you, too. Like, right. Because Melly lost. Right. So Cyrus would have been in the White House regardless. So I don't understand. There you go. And, and that's what I'm saying. That's the reason why I'm like, I'm really lost on this. Because at the end of the day, 
these are all people who have helped you in some way. You know, you think that you're in control, but a lot of this, when your ass was kidnapped, <laughs> my thing is that at the end of the day, her whole thing is it's because of my intellect and what it is that I've thought of that has ended up helping me. But even when it got to the point where she was kidnapped, she didn't save herself. It was somebody who used to work for her who ended up coming in and saving her, you know? So I think that's my thing. And her father can see it. You know, her father is like, at the end of the day, you're going to become me. And, and even I had to be humbled, you know? So uh -huh. no matter how powerful, I was command. And at the end of the day, I am pretty much at your beck and call now to you, my own daughter. So you have to understand exactly. that if you were able to do this to me, there's somebody who's going to be able to do it to you, plain and simple. And that's why I'm like, at the end of the day, even though I would like for it to be Abby, I would love for it to be Millie who does it. I think it's going to be either her mother or father who takes her out. I brought you it's into the world, and I'll take you out. Can, I, think, I think the only ones who can literally be, like, powerful enough to do so. But then, of course, even if they do, they're probably going to still end up going down for it. So Right. Because that has always been an issue of mine, too, is, like, the way... Uh, Rowan and Meyer or Eli, whatever you want to call them. They like, switch back and forth, command, whoever he is. Like, they always are being made to be the villain. And I'm like, I don't think, I've never seen them as the villain. You know what I'm saying? Even though they've done, like, horrible things, they it was because they were trying to protect the greater good, quote, unquote. I mean, well, Maya's there, but, you know. Right. Like, Eli was not, it was a horrible job, but it was to protect everybody else kind of thing. Right. So... She well, Fitz, Fitz will be back at some point, but I appreciate the fact that they didn't have him there this first episode. I do too, but I'm confused because Tony Golan himself has said, I don't know why I would come back for season seven. If I'm no longer president. But you know. <laughs> they they can always show him at his uh what is it, his library or whatever it is that he's working on now, his his whatever. Yeah. Um I wanna see that. <laughs> okay. So let's move on to how to get away with murder. Go ahead and break that down for everybody. Such a hater. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, Annalise finds out that Bonnie's working in the ADA office, and then Nate doesn't trust Bonnie. This thinks that she's just trying to do that to get back at the um, district attorney because uh, because of how he like treated Annalise. But she's like, no, I just need a job, basically. Like it's not even that deep. So, and then Annalise is uh, helping. I can't remember her character's name, but the older lady from when she was in prison, the prostitute. She's helping her to finally try to get her out of jail. 
And Annalise wins her first case back, and she's telling her uh, therapist about it. Uh, she struggles to open up in therapy at first, but finally she does. But it's after he opens up, and then she's like, you shouldn't do that because the last therapist opened up to me. I ended up marrying him. I mean, we all know how that ended. Um, and then at the end of the episode, Michaela is uh, hired at a law firm that Laurel wanted to be hired at also. We come to find out the law firm represents her dad. And so Laurel tells Michaela that uh, they're going to take her dad down because he killed West. And this is the reason why I asked you to do the breakdown because I wouldn't have said half of what you just said. <laughs> oh, well, listen. I'm all of it. So That's why I'm glad you did it. You gave <laughs> our listeners got so much more out of you telling them than they would have from me. <laughs> I mean, you know, there was a lot going on. So I just want to make sure they got everything. And that's why I appreciate you. I told you, but <laughs> but before we started recording, I told you that's the reason why we have each other, where one person misses, the other one picks it up. <laughs> No, I wouldn't listen. I I would have. I don't know. I'm. <laughs> I almost want us to be like we're not going to talk about how to get away with murder anymore because now the one of us are big enough fans of it. But <laughs> I mean, I watch. I'm gonna remember what happens. I just don't like any of the cheating five. See, the, and this is what I'm saying. Like, I like it, but if it got canceled next week, I'd be like, all right, Viola, let's get you another good show. Like, listen, I'm, back in the movie. Something. Listen, something. how to get away with murder started off amazing to me. And now it's just gotten to, I mean, okay, I will admit this. This season is sparking a little bit more interest in me because the storylines are so different. They're no longer working with her, all that kind of stuff. So it sparked mm-hmm. a little bit of an interest because it feels kind of re, kind of like a reboot. Mm-hmm. But it's still like the, the thing, the, the very first mystery was so intriguing, you know? And mm-hmm. you, you were really drawn into it. And like I told you about the colors, the way they worked mm-hmm. the colors and everything. Like, it was it was so different. And it's mm-hmm. like, now it just seems like, like to be completely honest, I don't really care about this mystery. I don't really care who took her child. Listen. Like, I'm not invested. Well, I said that last week. So, but I'm saying, so I, don't, <clears throat> I don't, why is, Laurel's dad killing West is important to us because of what? Like, why? Because I'm like, because I think it was season two where it was like the twins murder or whatever. It focused more, the whole season focused too much on like Annalise and the students and it never did that case. So it's like, I wish it would do, I thought they were going to do more stuff like that where it's like a season long case that they got right. to focus on, which would have been more interesting right. to me instead of it being another mystery about the five, six of them. Right. But, you know, we don't work for the show. So all we can do is watch and comment. Right. <laughs> Or not watch, you know. Or not watch, indeed. <laughs> All right, so let's get into Will and Grace now. Um, I don't have much about Will and Grace. Just, um, you know, last season, I mean, not last season, last week was the opener, and then it kind of focused about Trump, and we both were like, I'm not sure why they're focusing so much on him, even though, you know, the election thing was what brought it all back together. But this season uh, was like back to business as usual kind of thing. Um, Will and Jack were both trying to date younger men and now that they're older they're kind of struggling with that right um, and then with Karen uh, she was trying to get a raise from Grace after her staff asked for a raise from her to work at her house and um, I like I appreciate Will and Grace is kind of a throwback and that they kind of do physical they still do physical comedy sometimes so I do really like that but um, it's, I just think about Will and Grace like you can kind of watch pretty much any episode you kind of pick it up and then watch it you don't have to watch it in order it's really syndication friendly 
this episode kind of proved that again. Okay. I enjoyed it, but it was nothing like super major plot turning or anything else. Gotcha. Okay. Um, and okay, so that was your show that you watched that I don't watch. The show that mm-hmm. I watch that you don't watch is Criminal Minds. <laughs> I like to sleep. Basically, if I watch that show, I cannot do it. <laughs> and Criminal Minds is on episode two. And it's it's pretty awesome because I think the reason why the show can last so long is because they're constantly switching out different people who work for the BAU. And mm-hmm. it's either somebody who used to be a part of the team who comes back again or a totally new person. Uh, this time around, there was a Criminal Minds, I, I think it was called uh, Criminal Minds Crossing Borders or Cross Borders or something. And one mm-hmm. of the characters who was on yet again another failing spinoff of Criminal Minds, he ended up joining the team. And he was a character I really liked on that show. I, I feel so bad that the Criminal Minds spinoffs always end up failing. Uh, I wish more people would watch because the shows are pretty good when they have them. But it's almost like, unlike NCIS, which every single one of them have been successful, people just mm-hmm. refuse to really get into the idea of another Criminal Minds team. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Um, I think if it would have been, because I don't think too long after the original NCIS, they brought on Los Angeles. So I think maybe that's what it is. They waited too long with Criminal Minds. I'm yeah. not sure. But then, I mean, even NCIS itself is a spinoff. So. That's true. That's true. It is. Is it a it spinoff of Jag? Yeah, of Jag. Most folks don't. Well, I guess if you watch the show, you probably know it. But I think the average person wouldn't know that. I, and I don't watch it. That's just me and pop culture. <laughs> <laughs> I've never well, seen one episode of NCIS. <laughs> But um, but yeah, okay, that that's a really good point. So maybe it's just not meant to be with Criminal Minds. Hopefully they've learned after that second one, after the second failed spinoff, they're like, all right, let's just keep it with the regular it was, team. Was Criminal Minds and then the intelligence. Wasn't it, it was almost like a cyber thing or something, wasn't it? The very no no no. You're thinking of CSI. CSI had a cyber one. My bad. <laughs> but was the, the lady from uh, Medium right? That was yes, yes it was. Okay. Uh, I think uh, yeah. I think uh, Joanna Arquette. Right. Patricia Arquette, yeah. my bad, Patricia. <laughs> um, no, that that yeah, that was uh, that was CBS. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm on the right channel. <laughs> <laughs> Medium was on NBC, but CSI was on CBS. Yeah. 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 No, no, no. I know that one. I'm saying Criminal Minds is on. CBS. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. In NCIS, CSI, Criminal Minds, all CBS shows. But okay, so with that being said, now we move on to the juicier shows. We're going to get a little deeper into what it is we want to talk about. So first was the returning Blackish for what was this? This was their third season or fourth? Um, fourth. Th- right. <laughs> I think it was the fourth too. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> so on this episode, they went really deep with the idea of Juneteenth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the holidays that we celebrate here in America, but the attention that's not really paid to the black holidays. And what I really what I really enjoyed was how they went in on all aspects, not just white people, but how black people feel about black holidays as well, you know? Um, and as somebody who celebrates Kwanzaa, it really hit home for me because I know how many black people shame me for celebrating Kwanzaa. And so I'm watching that episode and it let me know just why blackish is so necessary because there are a lot of conversations that don't take place anywhere else on television that a comedy show actually touches on you feel me that norman lear influence 
talk about it. Right. <laughs> you love you, you're some Norman Lee. <laughs> I do. But yeah, they're they're not afraid to quote unquote go there. And I really like that about the show, you know. Yeah. I do think um for me it was uh easily a favorite. I think maybe because I enjoy it every week I do. But you know, definitely some weeks a lot more um they go there a little bit harder than others, so it's a little bit more of a comfortable kind of thing. Right. And so, for me, this one really reminded me of, I think it was last season with the police brutality episode. I don't know why that was the first thing that kind of like came to mind and kind of linked this yeah. one together. But it was definitely that one. And then, you know, Dre's whole speech about the, um, <clears throat> about when Obama was elected and then him walking down, you know, it was, everything was, I don't know why it just felt like a companion piece to that episode. I have no clue why, but I <laughs> so, but I did really enjoy it, and I love too how they are able to do you know something different every week. And, you know, because this week they like use the Hamilton, not Hamilton, the Hamilton <laughs> soundtrack, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to kind of like portray the story that they were trying to tell. Right, I, really I liked that. Definitely. So that's definitely shout out to the writers as well. Okay, so, so I'm sorry. Was you gonna say something else? No. Okay, so then after that, we move on to this is us, and uh, I'm really glad that before we went on, you re- you reminded me of one of the most important aspects of the episode. Locate the whole the whole plot line. I mean, the main one. Because like, like, how did you forget that they were going to California to, for him to take the hundredth episode of the Manning? <laughs> <laughs> because all of my notes had to do with the relationships of the characters. I forgot about I the... I mean, sure the more important thing, but it was, it was like that. I guess that's what the writer in me. I'm like, that's the connecting event that like brought everything else out. So Yes, that is the screenwriter in you. And like I told you, I'm glad you said something because we, I mean, it would have been kind of empty. We would, we would have been giving you, we would have been giving you the contents, but not the bag it was carried in. You feel me? So... That... <laughs> you silly. But I appreciate you saying that, you know. Um, mm-hmm. During this episode, I got a better understanding of Kate and Rebecca's relationship. And mm-hmm. I think it's a very honest representation of mother-daughter relationships as well. Mm-hmm. And so I, I really enjoyed that. And it's something I enjoyed, you know, beginning with uh, season one. But I like that they're continuing to go further in it. And the way that Rebecca may not always be able to see the the negative things that she's doing when it comes to Kate and the way that Kate receives it. Um, but yeah. Kate also acknowledging, well, I understand your intent. So maybe I need to not take it as personal as I do, you know, and it's an ongoing journey. And I appreciate that. Exactly. I like that. I it wasn't just uh, bandaged up and then they moved on. Yeah, I think that shows the show is really good about that too. Because some shows will kind of like introduce the like an ongoing, really deep issue that a character have had like before the show had started. Right. And then they'll like address it in one episode, and then it's like, okay, well we've moved on now. It's like, no, like right. that was an issue for X amount of years. Now, like you have to continually to heal, you know, yeah. healing, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> continue going to say process. It's not just all overnight it's fixed and we're changed. Right. But I really like that. Cause I also think too, like which wasn't addressing this episode so much as just that every scene in season one how like uh rebecca always like favored randall the most yeah and so it's like we last season we saw more so kind of how kevin was affected by that but this season we're seeing more how uh kate was affected by that right at least in this episode yeah 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 
Um, did we know in season one that Jack was in the military? Um, I don't think so. I'm only saying that because... Did, no, we did. We okay. Did in the episode, um, they have to have addressed the episode where he's fixing the car. When we think him and uh, Kate are going to meet, or when they do meet. Yeah, yeah. We, I think I think it's addressed, like, since he's been back from the water. I think they say it very briefly. Got you. Okay. Because, you know, she had his contents in the passenger side of the car, the passenger mm-hmm. seat. And then in this episode, they give you a really quick flashback, really quick to him jumping out of a helicopter overseas. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I was like, did we know this about him? Like, okay, so good. I'm yeah, glad you I think he was in the military before, you know, they met. Right. And that's why he was unable to find a job or do whatever. Got you. I do okay. believe. Okay. <laughs> um, I am... There, there's never a point where I'm not in love with the relationship between Beth and Randall. Mm-hmm. That That's just a constant. And it, to, to me, the reason why it is, is, and I think I said this on a previous episode of the podcast, is that to me, it feels like my quintessential relationship, you know? Like, the person who I want to be with is somebody where we can both feel some kind of way. We can have our arguments. We can need space from one another. But then we come back because we're a team, you know? And I love seeing that about them. I love that they're not perfect. But at the end of the day, they're a team. They're still in each other's corners. They're still friends. And I know it's possible. I know that relationship is not just television-based. You feel me? And so that's the reason why every time I see them, it I love it. Because it's like, this feels so realistic. And it feels like something I want to be able to find. But Lord knows people make it difficult. <laughs> well. But yeah. But we're 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 we're, we're going to get into that later, you know, when I start talking about dating in your thirties. But yeah. <laughs> um. But then also, uh, Kevin and Sophie. I feel like they have a beautiful relationship as well, especially because they've loved each other since they were kids. You know. Mm-hmm. And I like that that gives such a different dynamic to Randall and Beth. Like I love the these layers. You know, Kate and Toby. It's like you you have these different layers of a relationship where they met each other the way they navigate throughout the relationship i really like that because it's it's his ex-wife they've loved each other since they were kids and now they're finding a way to get back to the love that they once had and so often in the show i feel like kevin is almost on the back burner to kate and randall so yeah he is yeah so i'm like i loved this episode because it was a, a good a good focus on their relationship. Like, like literally, you know how you and I always talk about the moments where we feel like we could tear up during a show? And I know mm-hmm. that This Is Us hardly does that for you. But <laughs> but when he was... Tear up in very different parts. Right. <laughs> like, when he... <laughs> <laughs> when he was uh, when he was crawling on the ground during the taping and he was in the, uh, the pamper. And they flash back to when he was a kid and he had her laughing. And then in this moment where she's laughing along with him which was able to make him feel more comfortable about the fact that he felt like he was making an ass of himself. She was there, you know, she was there for him in both moments. And that made me tear up. Cause I'm like, that's so awesome. Cause he's like, you know, you're here. I see you. And because you see me, I don't feel as embarrassed as I would have if you weren't here, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And also like too, that we saw, not necessarily insight, but how that kind of also work on a relationship too, like Beth and uh, Kevin. I was just about to say that. Yeah, my bad. Go ahead. I'm pretty sure it was like, well, the first season, Rainbow and Kevin have their issues, and then Beth kind of 
she doesn't really voice her opinion too much, but she sounds like why people saying in our house. Yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. <laughs> so in this episode, then we learned that you know she never was really a fan of the show. She don't. She doesn't think she's funny, or at least she think the show is funny. Right. And then you know we learned that Kevin was one who hooked up uh, Randall and Beth at the beginning, or at least kind of coached Randall through it. Right. And so. Hopefully, they'll kind of work on their relationship a little bit more, too. They'll yeah. kind of start to open up more. That was actually the last note that I wrote down. I wrote down that I loved that they focused on their dynamic this episode. That was really cool to me to get so much backstory, you know? That was exactly. really cool. Because they are two characters who didn't interact a whole lot in season one. So, I was like, kudos to the writers for realizing that. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, go ahead. No, my bad. Go ahead. Listen now, I can't. can't. Okay, and lastly, moving on to Queen Sugar, and I took some serious notes. So uh, more than likely, I'm not going to get to half of them because I (laughs) I feel like this will end up being like an hour and a half of us just talking about Queen Sugar. But uh, you hit your your high points, right? I have have commentary, but not like super deep commentary. I mean, I don't want to, you know, drag it out and then don't say. You got it. You got it. <laughs> okay, so this was them coming back from their uh, their mid-season finale. And so they were starting back up again. And this episode was called Yet Do I Marvel. And the first note that I put down is, uh, I appreciated Charlie's relationship with her mom. I expected it to be the typical white woman doesn't get anything black culture type situation. I figured she was going to be this very, co- they were going to go for a more cold and racist tilt. So I was really happy that it felt far more realistic. You feel me? And I mean realistic yeah. in the sense of there are absolutely people out there like the person I just named. Tons, you know. But mm-hmm. there, there are also white women who are mothers to black children who aren't like that. You feel me? Yeah. And so yeah, I appreciate... Like um, no, go ahead. I was going to say, kind of like how you were saying like Katie and Rebecca's relationship is just realistic mother and daughter. Like there's been... Even though race kind of came up, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead, but it wasn't... The, the crux of their issues. Right. It was their personalities. Or at least right. their personality and how that affected uh, Charlie. Yes. Yes. And and that's why I like the way they handled it in the end. Charlie decided, okay, even with the advice that my mom gave me, which is, you know, I understand what it is that you're doing, but you have to start thinking more from business and less from race. So bring in these white people because in the end, that's going to be more bang for your buck. You feel me? And Charlie is like, I hear what it is you're saying as far as the monetary gain I can have, but I need to be able to make sure that there's more of a light shined on my community down here Mm -hmm. because they're not being, the white community isn't being inclusive, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. So I appreciated that's the way that it was handled. And the situation where her mother was sitting with her on the bed while Charlie was on the floor, her mother was on the bed, and she's trying to figure out a way to console Charlie because of what it is that happened to Micah. And the situation was very real. As a grandmother, she really wanted to be able to be there for her, you know? And Charlie's like, but unfortunately, because of this particular situation, you can't really get it, you know? And you could see the hurt in her mother of how she wished she could get it. So I'm like, that was real. So kudos to the writers for making that a very real scenario and not just a stereotypical interaction. Real quick, in season one, we didn't know Charlie's mother is white. We just know that she was... Well, it's just led to believe that Ernest cheated on, you know... um, Nova's right, mom, right. Then, I don't think we find out that she's white until the beginning of this season. Okay. Cause even, I mean, because I knew, and I'm sure you might have known too, like from the press release when Sharon Lawrence was hired to play her mom. But even, I think, because I was thinking about it, because even um, the first scene 
Uh-huh. You see it? Because it's like, um, Charlie walks to the restaurant to go meet our mom, and you see an older black lady. Yes. Down at first. Yes, and, and the so camera kind of focused on her. Yes, and the, but then when the camera kind of switches focus to the her mother, who's a white woman, sitting down, then it's like, oh, okay. So that's why I was thinking, I was like, I don't think they ever explicitly said it in season one. I right. remember. And maybe, and see, you, you may have had a good point. They may, I may be making up in my head that they mentioned it earlier this season. In my mind, I always assumed she was mixed. And, and I, maybe that's just me. I always assumed she was half black, half white. Um, so for me, it wasn't a surprise. For me, I, I chuckled to myself because I appreciated the way that the camera did it. And I was like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> like how y'all did that. Um, but in my mind, I'm like, I always assumed she was going to be white. Um, but I was like, yeah, and I loved the interactions. I loved her and Vi and their interaction. All of that was really cool. So I'm definitely interested in seeing how that goes further. Um, I think there definitely, uh, real quick, is clearly some more that we don't know. Because I didn't even know that Ernest had married her. I don't think that's what said either in season one or the first half of season two. I think it was always led to believe that she was just a mistress. Right. But then when they said, well, then again, they might not have been married. She just said she's been married before. She never, again, they didn't explicitly say it was to Ernest. So right. we shall see. But her and Vi clearly don't get along for whatever reason. Right. So. <laughs> and I'm sure we're going to figure out. Yeah. Um, and then uh, the whole situation with Darla's parents. Like, I'm really wondering about that because you can clearly see that there's something going on, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that they kept kind of hinting at it. But, yeah. uh, and I have some notes on... Uh, on Ralph Angel, but that that played more in the second episode, so I'm going to hold off on my notes about Ralph Angel until we get to the second episode. (laughs) Okay. Um, Then I also put down, I think Hollywood's job is going to get sabotaged by uh, Sam Landry, who is the owner of Queen Sugar's Biggest Competition. And I said, because you notice Sam Landry was with Hollywood's boss when they were on their way to lunch. And I said, I feel like Sam is going and seeing that Hollywood is there is going to find some way to sabotage that. And there's a new guy who came on working under Hollywood. And I think that they're going to find some way to try to get him into Hollywood's position. Probably. Or use him some kind of way to like take Hollywood out and do something. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Something brewing. Yeah. Um, and then the next thing I put for this particular episode is that Vi needs to tell Hollywood what's going on with her about her cancer. But are we, did they say it was cancer? It's not, I thought that they, I thought that the doctor said that it was cancer. Her hair's falling out and everything. What else could it be? The, the doctor didn't say anything unless I missed the scene. We didn't see it. I saw <laughs> her go to the doctor's office, but the doctor does not say anything. Oh, wow. Right? Well, well, okay, maybe, yeah. I, maybe that was me just putting the pieces together and understanding cancer. Like, I can't... Well, it re- might be. Right. <laughs> so, so, so pretty much what you're telling me is because of my knowledge, I've kind of, I've kind of made up in my head that they talked about things they didn't actually discuss. Listen, okay? <laughs> All we see is her, like, her, like, hands are kind of trembling some, her hair is, like, thinning and falling out some. And, and she was like, also losing her sight. Exactly. But we see her, like, go to the doctor's office at the end, but we don't see the conversation. Okay. Hmm. It's you. <laughs> it, it just all seemed really obvious to me, my bad. <laughs> but, I mean, and it might be, but I'm, I'll just wait for a diagnosis. Damn it. You are absolutely a Gemini, but anyway. <laughs> okay, so the next episode was Drums at Dusk. 
And the first notes that I have is <laughs> Ralph Angel annoys me with how he can always make things about him. Yet again, something else okay. I'm going to discuss later on about dating at 30. Um, but uh, Darla was called star by a man at the gas station. And Ralph Angel says it was thrown in his face. And I put, how about Darla's feelings? Then I put, then he has the nerve to shame her and say that his past wasn't equal to hers. That her being a sex worker was somehow worse than him being a thief. And I was heated. Like, I, w- I was boiling when I was watching that. Because I'm like, I don't care if you're the baby of your siblings. I, it, it bothers me that you continuously make things about you over and over again. Always. Mm-hmm. You know? This, this woman is sitting here in front of you. She just moved into your house. And I can understand you feeling like I wish in that moment you would have just told me that that was somebody from your past when you were star. That's all he needed to say. I wish you would have been transparent with me in that moment. That's it. To make this seem like it's it's her fault, the person that she used to be, to literally tell her her past is worse than yours is selfish as hell, you know? And I'm like, kudos to Kofi, because again, like like with Carrie playing Olivia, <laughs> Ralph Angel's really making me despise him for don't, how in minute, season... Don't, don't compare him to wait a minute now. <laughs> He's bad, but listen. Wait a minute. <laughs> he, he is, in, in, in both seasons, season one and season two, it always comes back to him. Blue is the only exception. Blue is the yeah, one time where he won't be all about like, himself. He shines, or he's like, he's protective, or he's kind of like, he grows up. It's always only with blue. Like, <laughs> that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the notes that I took down after that, uh, I really enjoy Nova and Robert's relationship. I really like the way that they're navigating that. And, uh, oh, and then I put Charlie Rocks for making the Black Sugar Cane Festival instead of deciding to team up with the white farmers or the white sugar cane mm-hmm. owners. Um, I thought that was I thought that was awesome that she made that decision in the end, especially because Micah's girlfriend has attempted to qualify every year and she's been denied, but she keeps doing it because she's like it's it's better than not doing anything, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, so did you have any particular notes? Um, I think you pretty much touched on everything. Um, I think my main thing is that I just like that it's like black people just being on television. Yeah, you know what I'm saying that's not nothing. I mean, yeah, the queen sugar like kind of makes the world materialize almost opiate times, but not like in a trivialized kind of way. Right. Um, like the, the uh, business or whatever aspect of it. But it's still, other than that, it's just their everyday lives. It's just them, like, their family dynamics, their relationships, just how them getting from point A to point B kind of thing. And so I really love that. And also, too, I mean, it really is a, a slow burn of a kind of show, which is just ages. That's her thing. But... I just really enjoy that part of it more than anything else. And that's why I love watching it so much. Absolutely. Because they just, it's, no, it's nothing, you know, there's no huge overarching end goal. Or there's no big, we got to figure out this out this season. It's just their lives. And for that, it can, like, it can go in every direction possible. Absolutely. So that, that's why I enjoy it so much. Absolutely. I totally agree. Okay, so with that being said, hopefully you guys have healed. This pop culture has gotten you through a few things. <laughs> <laughs> and so if people want to hit you up on social media, where can they find you? I have changed my Twitter name. Come on now. No more. Just call me Odin. It is, uh, well, my name is too long for it to become my name, sadly. So. <laughs> Long-ass name. No more Odin. Well, shut up. 
And it's uh, no more Otis on Twitter because uh, I was Otis for so long, so I'll just keep it somewhere in there. <laughs> but you <laughs> so, like to uh, walk with me, as Raven said. Ah. You can find me on Twitter. <laughs> Crazy stuff. So. And yeah, you guys definitely need to walk with him on Twitter. You will be thoroughly entertained either by all of his retweets or his little random things that he put up when he's like talking to himself but yeah (laughs) (laughs) sorry i don't write novels on facebook like some people (laughs) do always meaningful thank you very much but anyway debatable but okay because we're 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 healing, so I'm gonna go ahead and we just inhale that in yeah. and then exhale that out, you know. Because I don't yeah. got nothing but love and for you, you know. Mm-hmm. I'm about to leave so they can heal with you talking about dating in their thirties. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to listen. I'm ready. Yeah. Wait a minute, you ready to listen? But are you re- but are you ready to learn? I'm taking notes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so until next week, we will holler at you, Brandon. So this week, we're going to be healing through wellness. I'm going to talk about what it's like dating in my 30s. But before we get there, really quick, I'd like to send out some love to everyone in Houston, Miami, Puerto Rico, St. Martin, and Guilla, and all of the areas impacted by the continuing hurricanes, as well as all families still grieving from the loss of their loved ones due to the massacre by the domestic terrorists in Las Vegas. I pray for some semblance of peace for all of you in the days, weeks, and months to come. Also, although this is airing on Tuesday, Monday we would have celebrated Indigenous Peoples Day. For anyone who honestly still thinks Columbus Day is anything other than a celebration of heinous crime and oppression, you are the reason this country remains stymied in constant ignorance. Just want to let that be known. With that being said, let's move on to the topic. <laughs> So first of all, I was uh, playing around with the whole thought of the uh, Generation X millennial line because last time I Googled, it said that uh, millennials started in 1980. I was born in 1979, November to be exact. So for me, I was only two months old when the uh, millennial generation started. So it's kind of been difficult for me because I'm like, I guess I'm more so millennial than I am Generation X. But I Googled before I started recording and I found that millennials now start in 1982. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'm absolutely Generation X, which with all due respect to millennials, that makes up the majority of my friends. And I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this, I had to wipe my forehead. (laughs) And that kind of brings me into the very first thing that I wanted to talk about as far as dating in your 30s. I am 37 years old, so I'm kind of beginning to knock on the door of 40. The majority of the people who I date, though, I would say probably 98% are all millennials. And one of the issues I find when dating is coming across people who are so focused on me and not enough on we. Now, I'm not going to say that's just a millennial thing. I am known for usually dating younger than older. So for all I know, there are lots of older guys who could feel that way as well. But I found when dating that people are very focused on themselves often. And it's bothersome, mostly because in my mind, I'm always in a space where if I'm dating someone, I am thinking about the two of us 
I'm not thinking about, I mean, of course I'm thinking about me, but that leads to a whole nother topic, which is being whole. And I found, especially in my thirties, and I, I would say probably more so in my thirties, I don't, I don't think I was really able to pinpoint it so well in my twenties as I have in my thirties, but it's important when entering a relationship to be as whole as possible. Now, I know some people who will argue this, and by all means, I respect your argument. However, I couldn't imagine myself being able to properly bring anything of value to a relationship if I didn't know who I was. Now, of course, I've been in relationships when I was younger, and I wasn't whole. And because of that, the way that I operated, because I'm a water sign, Scorpio, I operated from a very clingy space, you know? When I didn't know who I was, it was all about, I need you. I must have you. You feel me? And where I am now at 37 is I am a whole human being. I don't need anyone to complete me. I'm already completed. What I'm looking for is someone to walk with me on this journey and vice versa. I want to be able to provide you with whatever it is that you need from me outside of filling who you are, you know, uh, we're walking this journey together. It shouldn't be a thing where you feel like I need to be with you at all times. There are some relationships that I'm aware of where when someone decides to go on a vacation with their friends, that's considered a problem. You know, the other person is constantly wondering what they're doing or from another perspective, they're missing them and not feeling complete. You should be able to be in a relationship with someone and the two of you can operate separately and still come together and be a team. And that's where I'm coming from with the whole we versus me. When you are a full human being, you don't have to continuously talk about I, I, I when you're in a relationship. There's an understanding when the two people get together that we're two separate people coming together to make a team. But we never lose who we are, you know? And... That's that's where I get into this whole uh, compromise situation. <laughs> I have had conversations with several people when it comes to the word compromise. And unfortunately, people will gravitate toward anything to often make their arguments. And after there was a video from many years ago of Eartha Kitt talking about the word compromise, of course, it spoke volumes to people who aren't whole. And those who are not whole human beings gravitated toward that because they wanted to take what it is that she said completely out of context. Uh, in the video where Eartha Kitt is talking about compromise, I think the reason why it's become so iconic to a lot of people <laughs> is because Eartha Kitt was completely one of a kind. And what she was talking about was not giving up the root of who you are to be able to make somebody else happy, you know? not losing who you are to be able to make someone else happy. And I completely and wholeheartedly agree. Unfortunately, people took that the wrong way and they were understanding that compromising in any way is unacceptable. So because of that, I want to read off to you guys the actual definitions of compromise. Uh, the one that most people, unfortunately, tend to go with and the one that I use whenever I speak of it. So when you go and you pull up the definition... Number four says, an endangering, especially of reputation, exposure to danger, suspicion, a compromise of one's integrity. 
Now, if that was the, the clear-cut only definition of compromise, I would have no reason to use that word. I would completely agree and totally understand where people come from when they argue against it. However, this is the argument that I make. This is why I believe compromise is necessary in a relationship. Number one, a settlement of differences by mutual concessions, an agreement reached by adjustment of conflict or opposing claims, principles, by reciprocal modification of demands. That is what I see as compromise, a settlement of differences by mutual concessions. You're going to get in a relationship with someone who more often than not is not going to see everything your way. And when navigating said relationship, you want to do your best to be able to make both of you happy because the relationship is not all about you and your happiness. It is about the happiness of both partners. Now, this goes for gay, transgendered, straight, whatever relationship you have polyamorous in any of these relationships, all parties should be looking to make sure that not only are they happy, but their partner is happy. You will fail in any relationship that you go upon by assuming that you're going to be all about you. As long as I make myself happy, that's all that matters. That is a fool's error. <laughs> and and I and if anyone feels differently, earlier in the show, you know, I shared where you can uh, DM me, email me. I'll make sure to do the same at the end. But I think that it's very important that people understand that you can't go into a relationship fully focused on you. I don't know how or why anyone would think that's, a, that's possible. Compromise is necessary and stop thinking that it's a bad word, you know? I'm making it my mission to get across to people that compromise is not a bad word. Get that out of your head. You need to meet halfway. But again, that rolls back once again to being able to be a full human being. I often date people or have been in relationships with people who were not even 50% of who they should be. And that's a problem. And that begins to go into something because it, oftentimes when you are the person in a relationship who is properly able to navigate it, you're looking at the other person and wondering what it is that you are doing wrong. What took place in the relationship that has made it so this person is acting the way that they are. But it has nothing to do with you. It has all to do with who they are. People are angry. And I found in a lot of relationships that I keep dealing with dudes who are very, very angry, very quick to anger all the time. And I've asked myself, where does that come from? And I had to realize that, especially coming from a life coach point of view, it often has to do with the past. Long before I came along, there is a lot of unpacking that needs to be done. And people often have absolutely no idea how to get inside the suitcase to do so, you know. Uh, it's a situation where either the zipper is jammed or <laughs> it's a buttoned up suitcase and they're under the impression it's a zipper. I don't know. They just can't get into that suitcase to begin the journey of unpacking. And so they're angry and they're frustrated. Or it could be a situation where they leave the suitcase up in the attic and they refuse to even touch it. Meaning that their anger and their pain stems from things that are far in the subconscious, you know? They've packed these things away deep back and they don't want to touch it because often having to confront your pain means that you're going to have to be vulnerable. You're going to have to be open. And oftentimes, people who were vulnerable and open 
they were hurt for that exact reason. People aren't born angry. It's not a thing, you know? This is learned behavior. Being so beaten down. Being so guarded. These are taught things. It, it happens as a way of being able to protect ourselves. And when this is built up, it's not so easy to break down because there's trust issues. How can I trust that if I allow myself to be vulnerable, that you're going to be there for me? I've been hurt by so many people before you that I can't understand how I can do that. I can speak so clearly about that because I have been one of those people. I have severe trust issues. And this is all started from when I was a kid. It was never a situation with my family. It was always my friends. I have never been able to trust friends because my entire life, literally from the one digits up until my 30s, sadly, I have always been turned on by people. And I've had to come to an understanding that it has nothing to do with me because I do the work. I do the work and I ask myself, well, what is it that you're putting out there? What is it that you may be doing? And after understanding, I will work on those things. You know, I've been a very judgmental person in the past. So I've worked on not being judgmental. So, uh, you know, when you work through what it is you have to work through, what you contribute, then you have to begin to look at the other people. And I've come to an understanding that when you are unwilling to tap into certain pains that you have, you have no reason to go there. So you have no reason to hear when those who love you are informing you of that. In your mind, you can't tell me about me, you know? And then you continue to move forward like a Tasmanian devil wrecking everything that's in front of you. And you go into a relationship deciding that that's what you're going to do. And that brings me to the next thing, which is rushing into things. People rush into relationships. There is very little time to be able to get to know one another. And of course, you know, you have those people who's like, well, you can't dictate which relationship can move fast and which relationship can't. Touche, you cannot. But I'm fairly certain that I would find out if I was to do the proper research, you know, go around <laughs> asking enough couples, when is it that you all got into a relationship? If someone was to tell me that they got into a relationship after two months of knowing one another and they've been together for 50 years, my question to them would be, and during the course of those 50 years, how often did you all do the work? Because that's the thing, you know? By all means, two people can get into a relationship two weeks after knowing one another and be together for years. But that has to do with compromise. That has to do with being able to learn one another. Too often, people get into relationships really quickly. And once again, it's all about them. It's not about getting to know the other person. And this is what ends up happening. You get into a relationship with somebody who operates from a very different way than you do. You are a homebody. They're not. You know, you're somebody who doesn't like to travel. They do. You're someone who is very much into different types of food. They're not. You're big on family. You're very family oriented. They're not. And you all begin to bump heads because of this. And someone is unwilling to move or both parties are unwilling to move. If you took the time to get to know this person ahead of time, you would have known, okay, not sure if this is going to work for me. There are billions of people in the world. There is no reason why you need to feel like you should settle for someone. And this rushing into things contributes to all of those extra layers of pain that you have going on inside. 
because you don't take ownership of the fact that maybe I should just slow down. No, you rush into it. And when the person ends up hurting you, you allow that relationship to be piled on to all the other pain that you've experienced in the past, which is no longer their fault. It's your fault. You shouldn't have rushed, but you would have known not to rush if you would have taken the time to know yourself better. Because if you honored you, you would know I am someone who is emotional and quick to latch on to people. Or I am someone who just wants to be able to be in a relationship with somebody because it brings me comfort. If you knew that, then you could say, okay, pump the brakes. I'm moving way too fast with this person. Let me slow down. Again, this is not coming from a place of judgment for anyone who's listening. This is coming from a place of a person who has been there. The majority of what it is that I'm saying to anyone who's listening is because I have been there before. So I need to make it clear that this is not judgment. This is coming from someone who is walking the exact same path you're either walking right now or you have walked before. No judgment. The next thing I want to discuss is doing the work. And I've been talking about that pretty much the entire time, but I want to delve a little bit deeper into it. I have, what, around 21 years old, I made a decision. Well, not I made a decision. Let me take that back. It came to me as a spiritual person. And by all means, if you're someone who doesn't believe in God or things of that nature, this can still happen for you. You would just consider it maybe an aha moment or something like that. But God spoke to me. And and this was when I was actually speaking to God out loud. I'll never forget it. I was in my sister's condo in Orlando, Florida. My family had all gone out to Disney World and I was chilling because I had already gone before. So I was like, okay, no, I'm cool. So I'm sitting in there reading... uh, Just As I Am, I believe, by Elon Harris. I think Just As I Am is the one where uh, Kyle talks to God out loud and tells Raymond and Raymond does the same thing. Uh, But so I'm reading about Raymond speaking to God out loud and it gave me, you know, like, oh, I want to try that, you know, because at the time at 21, I was a little shaky on my faith. I still believed, but, you know, of course, you know, early 20s, late teens, all that kind of stuff, you're questioning everything. So... I decided to talk to God out loud and it was the most amazing moment. Like it, it, it shook me. And in that moment, I realized what my purpose was in the world. And that was to help others, to be a servant to humanity. And in understanding that I have begun to do the work throughout the rest of my life from 21 on, just constantly doing the work, breaking myself down so that I could better understand others because I can't possibly be an asset to anyone in this world if I don't know me. And for those of you who are listening, that's what I would challenge you to do, to do the work, to not be so focused on friendship or relationship with others more than the, re- the relationship and friendship that you have with you. Often we get into relationships and we don't l- like the person, we love them, but I feel like it's important to have to be able to do both. Now, it's different with family. <laughs> with the, when it's family, you guys are blood. So it's like, okay, I may not necessarily care for this person, but I love them to death. But, but, and I mean, it's also, you don't have to live with them. You know, you move out from parents. You don't have to be around cousins, siblings, things of that nature, but you're in a relationship. You guys are going to be living with each other at some point, I would assume. And so you want to be able to have a relationship where you can love and like the person. You won't always like them, let's be real, but you would probably want that to happen more often than not. And that's not going to be able to happen if you're not doing the work on you constantly. I date a lot of people who don't do the work. 
Not only do they not do the work, but they're angry when you attempt to help them, which is the reason why I had to talk to myself and understand that you're not supposed to be a life coach in every relationship you're in. But that's a two-way street. I shouldn't feel like I should have to be a life coach, but you shouldn't feel like you need to be a energy vampire. And I've been in relationships with quite a few men like that who are energy vampires. They seek light so that they can suck it dry. And so for, for both parties, you have to come into uh, the relationship understanding that. So in doing the work, this is something that you not only should be doing before you get into a relationship, but you should be doing it throughout the relationship. So this is, once again, I'm talking from the perspective of dating in my 30s. Now, when I was in my 20s, a lot of the things I'm saying to you guys now, I already believed. It's just that the older you get, the more you have a clear understanding of it. And really quick, I want to put this out there. A journey that I've had to have internally is understanding that it's okay to be mature. Uh, we live in a society where I, I haven't been able to share my happiness about being mature because it would be seen as arrogance or conceit. But I often look around, especially on social media, and people poke up their chest and put their hands on their hips, and it's like a superhero. I'm petty. You feel me? I'm petty, and I'm proud of it. I mean, there are some people who I really respect, <laughs> who I can find online talking about how happy they are to be petty. And it's mind-blowing to me, because whenever they do it, I can see the child in them. And I look, and I'm like, yeah, there, there's your hurt. Your hurt is right there with those hands on your hips sticking out your chest. Because my thing is, what, what adult who is without the pain of their childhood would like to promote being petty? Who does that? You know? Be clear, we all have petty moments. Oh, I have them. <laughs> I'm sure you can listen to past episodes of the podcast and hear Brandon and I being petty toward each other. It's human nature. But the truth is, it's not something to wear as a banner, you know? Why is that a big part of your character? Maturity is not a bad thing. That's the reason why I often raise an eyebrow when everyone complains about adulting. At 37 years old, I, I mean, shoot, at 21, I was happy to be an adult. <laughs> and, and that's just my story, you know? Again, this is not shaming or judging. I'm just saying that we, we live in a culture that looks down on maturity at this point. For millennials, it's like, oh, the idea of adulting, what? Oh, it's too much, it's too much. No, give me my apartment, <laughs> give me my house, give me my credit cards, you know? Like, give me give me everything that shows the sign. I've, and not only that, but let, let's get past the material possessions because that's not even what matters to me. The evolution of self. I love being mature because I am 37. I've put in the work 37 years on this earth. You feel me? I'm not afraid of adulting. For the love of God, it's amazing. It's wonderful. I look back over the years of life, the pain that I've gone through, the joys that I've gone through. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm a black gay man living in 2017 in America. You damn right I celebrate the fact that I'm mature because I could be gone right now. You know, for all different types of reasons, for all different types of people, I could have been taken out long ago, but I'm still here. So no, I don't look down on adulting. I don't celebrate being petty. 
I'm happy that I am a mature adult who is continuing to flow throughout life, making it day in, day out. I wouldn't go back to any age. Never would I want to be 21 ever again. Now with the knowledge I have at 37, I was a very mature 21-year-old. I've, I've been mature all my life. You can ask any of my family or friends. I've always been very mature for my age. But it's one thing to be mature. It's another thing to have that, that evolution, the constant evolution that comes from doing the work. When you do the work on yourself, when you allow yourself to be open enough to get those aha moments, I can't put it into words. Honestly, there's nothing like being able to have those aha moments. They're life-changing. And when you can actually look back, I, I often say this to people when I'm either in deep conversation or when I'm speaking in public, there is nothing like being able to literally look at your evolution as it happens. It's one thing to just go through life and be like, oh, wow, I don't act that way anymore. It's a totally different way to actually remember the moments that shifted you to your next level. It's powerful. It really is. Next, I want to come to the two C's that are very, very important to me. Communication and consistency. Communication and consistency. So we're going to start with communication. This seems to be very difficult for men in general. I have never had this problem with a woman ever in life. Only with men. It's, it's maddening how difficult it is for men to be able to communicate. Something that seems honestly so simple to me. Communication seems so easy, but it seems very difficult to others. And so I attempted to figure it out. And it's very hard for me to figure it out. I think I have to land on what I was talking about in the very beginning, which is the whole me idea in that we idea. People are always thinking about themselves, you know? So it's just something, something as big is in a relationship when it comes to being able to have an understanding of why we both feel the way we do and not hearing one another or not being able to say exactly what it is that's on your heart to something as simple as text messaging where the beauty of text messaging is that we can get back to each other whenever we want to, but communication is understanding the way that both of you operate when it comes to text messaging. Because you could be under the impression, what I love about text messaging is that I can get back to your ass a whole day later and it's texting, so why do we care? While the other person is like, but for me, text messaging is, at the very least, if it's going to be a day later, just say to me, you know I have a really busy day, so I'm going to holler at you later. You know? Communication. When you're in a relationship with someone and you're not living together, when you're not living together, let me be clear. When you're going out, this is man or woman, no matter what relationship you're in. When you're leaving out, you know, uh, no, no, not when you're leaving out because you, you don't live together. When you're texting each other or if you're on the phone when one of you is on the way to work. I have a busy day today, so more than likely you're not going to hear from me. But I just wanted to let you know I want to talk to you this morning. I love you. I'll holla at you later. Bam. Cool. Now, if you're dealing with two adults, that other person who just received that information from you is going to be all good. You have a busy day going on, so if I don't hear from you, it's understandable. If I text you and you don't say anything back, you've already told me you're going to have a busy day. That is communication. Being someone who is texting and then, you know, once again, the two of you are in a relationship and you don't live together. You're texting and then you just vanish. You hit the person up the next day and they're like, babe, where were you? You know, and you're like, okay, calm down. You're, you're doing too much. Why is it your business where I was and blah, blah, blah. 
you're in a relationship. <laughs> it takes nothing to inform your partner that you're going to be busy, you know? And people are under this impression, you know, well, why should I feel that way? It's, you know, I have to answer to you and no, no. Again, it's all about you. It's not about we. Because if you could humble yourself and get out of this ego of me, then you would understand that it takes nothing. You text for far less all the time. We all text irrelevant S-H-I-T all the time to people. It takes nothing to tell the person that you are in a relationship with, I'm going to be busy. At any point in time, you know, I'm going out to the club with some friends, you know. If you're on vacation and you're not with your partner, babe, we're going out to do so-and-so and so-and-so, so I'm going to highlight you later. Bam, if you're going out to the beach with your friends, I'm well under the impression that I'm not going to hear from you for a while. I got my own life, so I'm out doing my things. You feel me? And that's the thing that people have to understand. When you're two people who are in a, who are in a relationship and both of you are making moves, it's, it's not a situation of I'm trying to keep tabs on you. We love each other. In the world that we live in, we should all be very aware. Anything could happen at any time. I'm going out to the beach with my friends. Bam, got you. You know, I'm about to get on the road. I'm going to be driving. So since I'm going to be driving, I'm not going to be responding to a lot of your text messages. If anything, I might give you a call. Okay, cool. If I don't hear from you and you were on a long road trip, let's say eight hours or something like that, and I don't hear from you, I'm going to be concerned. It's nothing for once you reach your friend's houses or once you reach the hotel you're staying in in another city, hit me up. Okay, I made it safely, blah, blah, blah. If you're tired, there doesn't even need to be a long conversation. I'm tired. Just wanted to let you know that I made it safe, babe. I'll talk to you later. All right. Love you. Done. Because the other person has a life as well. So it's not about constantly being on you. Cool. You're good. I'm good. I'm going to continue on with my day or night. You know? It becomes a different story when you're with someone who is clingy, you know, and none of that satisfies them. (laughs) I, in the past, have taken issue with dudes I've been in relationships with and we live together and I'm headed to work. And they want to text me all day long. Well, babe, if we're texting all day long, when I get home, we're not going to have anything to talk about because we live together. These are people who are not fulfilled in life, either within or externally. You know, their their job isn't doing enough for them or they're not happy enough with self. Because the thing is, is that there's no reason to feel like you need to have you have you have friends. The dudes who I've been in a relationship with all have friends. So it's not a situation where I'm the only person who's in their life. You know, they have other person, other people they can talk to. So it's like, okay, be, be with you, <laughs> be with you, be with your job. For God's sakes, we're in the era of social media. You have all different things you can do online. Like let's have something for when we get home, you know, but I communicate that. I don't keep that inside. I've said to my, my boyfriends in the past, exactly what it is that I'm saying to all of you right now communication. There are people who say, well, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I don't want to speak on uh, what it is that I feel because it ended up hurting you. So they lie or they just don't say anything at all. Neither of which are healthy. The healthiest thing you can do is be as transparent as possible with people. I'm going to say that again. You need to be as transparent as possible with people. If you are listening to this and you are someone who is open to change, if you are someone who is open to wanting to evolve into being a better you, the best advice I can give you 
as be as transparent as possible with people. I needed to be that detailed because I know that I have some people who are listening who are probably under the impression, eh, no, not so much. And if that's the case, all respect and love to you. By all means, continue on your path. I hope nothing but good things come. However, I know for me, I'm living my best life because I am always direct with people. Now, again, okay, I'm, I'm going to take that back because I want to be, again, as transparent as possible because <laughs> I'm thinking of one person in particular uh, recently in my past. There is someone who I have been unable to always be as direct as I want to be because they are a specific sign. And this specific sign, <laughs> for the record, when dealing with earth signs, I find it difficult to be as transparent as possible. But I'm being transparent now, so that's why I'm making sure I say the exact sign. I don't want to seem like I'm being vague. When dealing with earth signs, it is difficult to be as transparent as possible. Because earth signs are direct as F. <laughs> they are very, very direct. However, they don't always take as well as they give. Earth signs can be very, this is exactly how I feel. Bam, you don't have to worry about me lying to you. But in turn, when you're like, oh, okay, well, here I go. This is how I feel. Watch yourself. <laughs> Watch yourself. So it, it makes me hold off on being able to be direct. But to this person's credit, whenever they, you know, feel like something is kind of iffy or something like that, they'll broach the topic with me and we'll talk about it. And they're always very respectful and we have the best conversation. So in a way, I kind of need to get out of being that way with that person. Because at this point, I understand that they're not going to be the typical earth sign. They've proven that. But it's difficult with them. It's hard because they're earth. You know, they're firm in their stance and what it is that they believe. And oftentimes, as this article that I posted when it came to earth signs, they can be very narcissistic. So they, kind of going back to the beginning of what I was talking about, are very much me, me, me. <laughs> and not we. And, you know, that goes to the conversation I was having earlier with Brandon where we were talking about our weekends. There was a Capricorn who was in there and I was so proud of him because all of us were having this conversation together and we were all very open to one another to being able to pull, point out our flaws and the things that we excel in. And in the beginning, he was arguing about how none of these things are true. Typical earth sign. You know, that's not me. That's not who I am. But in the end, when we kept, you know, pointing out different things and I was hitting some things home, he stopped and he was like, shit, that really is me. You know, this is what it is that I'm doing in this relationship. And this is what it is that I need to work on. And I love that. I love when we can communicate with each other and we can let those walls down and hear each other. It's not always about attacking listeners. It's not always about attacking. Sometimes we really are really standing there with you, wanting the best for you. We have to get out of this place where we're thinking that we're constantly being judged and attacked. I love receiving, receiving feedback from other people. But that's when we get into my favorite word. My favorite word is balance. I live my, wor my world in balance. I live my life in balance. That's what I'm about. So if I'm going to be bringing you constructive criticism about how you can be a better person, you can be sure that I'm also going to let you know all of the wonderful things that I think about you. Balance. Again, communication. Something that we as human beings are really bad at. Bad at balance. Bad at communication. But I promise you, when you work on your communication, you will see your relationships with people get so much better. And then consistency. This won't be as long as communication. With consistency, stick to the shit that you do. <laughs> I'm laughing right now because I've like 
had some moments where I covered up the curse word and other times where I said it flat out. <laughs> Balance. But anyway, um, yeah, so be consistent, you know? Nothing irritates me more than an inconsistent human being. It's nerve-wracking. Because it's like, be who you are and be that, you know? All this flip-flopping. Like, no, be consistent in who you are. We are ever-evolving. We are ever-changing. But that's totally different from being somebody who is constantly, okay, no, 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 I'll change that. If you're going to be inconsistent, be consistently inconsistent. That's another irritating thing, too. Because me, as someone who is used to consistency, I can get used to an inconsistent and a consistently inconsistent person. I can get used to that because I know you're always going to be inconsistent. But nothing's worse than somebody who goes three months being a certain way. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. So this is you. And then out of nowhere, you change up. No apologies, no nothing. This is just who you are now. Okay, well, let me adjust to you being this person now. Oh, wow. A month later, you're something totally different. It is honestly nerve-wracking. Consistency is important in life. And thankfully, I know I'm not the only person who feels this way. I have conversations with some people about this, but we definitely feel like we are in the minority. Again, this goes back to me versus we. People are only thinking about themselves. I am consistent enough for me. I have no need to be consistent for you. I'm flowing through my life on my terms. And it makes you sit back and wonder, why is it that so many people want to be in relationships when they're not thinking about the other person ever? It's all about you. I want to be in a relationship so I don't have to feel lonely, you know? And so sitting here dating at 37, I have to constantly deal with this. I have to constantly deal with, okay, I'm getting into a relationship with somebody because all they want is a companion. All they want is to not feel alone. And this would not be the case if they were doing the work. If they were doing the work on themselves, then they would be very happy with being by themselves. Because the thing is, I love me. So because I love me, I can go through each and every day with an understanding. A relationship will come along sooner or later. I'll enjoy dating. I'll enjoy my friends. I'll enjoy me. But when you don't like you, <laughs> when you have bad relationships with other people, you want a relationship, a romantic one. Because your whole thing is, okay, well, I'll have you to hug me at night so I don't have to focus on doing the work. If I can love up on you, if I can kiss all up on you, you allow me to have that escape. And then, you know, that kind of flows back to the whole conversation I was having earlier about maturity. You know, people escape into all of these different places so they can get away from themselves. All different types of stuff. All things we do. You know, I do a lot of these things too. It's just that I can do it and in, health, in a healthy way because I'm not attempting to escape me. But people find all different types of escapes and crutches all to not have to deal with their issues. You are not going to be in a healthy relationship if you don't deal with you. Oh, you could be in a relationship for years and it will be toxic and will tear away at each of you week after week, month after month, year after year. And so the two of you are shells of who you were supposed to be. So it can happen. You can be in a relationship for a long time and you can all kill each other mentally, emotionally, the entire time. But if you get to know yourself, you won't. If you get to know you, if you love you, if you realize what it is you will and won't put up with and you can articulate that to those people that you deal with, you are going to save yourself and the people you attempt to get into a relationship with a lot of heartache and pain. 
I have been single for a little over two years now. And people are like, why is it you don't want to be in a relationship yet? Well, for the record, if a relationship came along and the the man who I was uh, dating felt that, you know, deemed that I was somebody he wanted to be in a relationship with and vice versa, if I saw the same, then cool, we can move forward. But so often, because I do the work and I make sure to get to know the person to be as transparent as possible, I find that we're not compatible. You don't have you just yet. You're still searching for you. And if you get into a relationship with me, I'm going to know me the whole time and you're not going to know you. And that's going to lead to a lot of really messed up stuff. Because again, I'm transparent. So I'm going to bring up the issues because we're not going to be in a relationship and have a whole lot of stuff we're not saying to each other. Nah. Especially not when we're living together. If it gets to the point where we're living together, that is our sanctuary. What won't happen in our sanctuary is constant arguments. And it gets to the point where we're putting all this dark energy on the walls of our sanctuary. We're darkening our space. Nah, I'm good. You know? So you have to be able to do the work and be consistent with it. So I think that that brings us to the end. My two C's are very important to me. So (laughs) I think that's a good place to be able to end that. I think this needs to be a longer topic. Uh, I would like to bring somebody else on as a guest so we can talk about this together. Or at the very least, I can interview them and just get their viewpoint. Because I've shared my viewpoint already. So I don't really need to state what it is that I feel already. I think I'd like to bring somebody on and interview them just to get their point of view. And it can be someone who agrees with me, doesn't agree with me, or finds a balance of the two. I'm totally open to that. But I think this is an important conversation. Because I know for me, this difficulty of being able to date has has been saddening and only saddening in the sense that I want so much more for us as human beings. And in studying people, I'm constantly able to see how sad people are and how they try to hide it with anger, how they try to hide it with rage and pettiness. There are a lot of really hurt people in this world. It literally is as close as signing on to any, anything on social media and you will see them. What I love is when I meet people who are very aware of who they are and they can admit it. Not only that, but they can do the work (laughs) because few things are as infuriating as somebody who can tell you about their flaws. And then they're like, but you know what? I'm fine with all of them. It's like, ooh, no, though, no, (laughs) because these flaws of yours are hurting other people. That's not a good thing. So when I can meet people who are like, you know, I have rage issues or I'm I'm petty or I'm a liar or all these other things. And they're like, and I'm not satisfied with it. These are all the steps I'm taking to make me better. Bam. Like, I'm always very public with the fact that I've been a very judgmental person in my life. You know, I grew up uh, a very mature, very happy, very loved person. And I'm very aware that not everyone had that life. And it made me kind of judgmental when I met people who were very, you know, nasty and angry because they didn't have that life. And I had to turn that judgment to an understanding of even though you didn't grow up with those exact pains, you grew up with pain. I grew up with a lot of pain. (laughs) Not being liked by people most of my life. Yeah. Yeah. Being having people stab me in my back most of my life. Yeah, absolutely. Always being somebody who didn't want to be a part of the bandwagon, so I was shunned because of it. Trust me, I have pain. And what I had to do was understand, take that pain that you're experiencing and 
do better with being able to empathize with them instead of judging, which leads me to the person that I am today. All of these things that people assume I'm judging them for, it's not judgment at all. I'm empathizing, but looking to do my best to help to heal. That's what I'm doing. I'm asking people to put a mirror up to themselves and see who they are. The pain that they inflict on others is them not wanting to deal with their own pain. And you can't possibly think you're going to be able to date and be in a successful relationship, a healthy relationship, if you're constantly putting your negative energy onto others. It's just not going to happen. So thank you all for listening to uh, what it's like for me dating in my 30s. I greatly appreciate it. Now I'm going to move on to my pay it forward really quick so we can get this wrapped up. I'd like to send my pay it forward out to my dear friend, Elliot. I won't say his last name because I don't know if he's like, don't be saying my full name on your podcast. (laughs) But I want to pay it forward to Elliot because he is a genuinely wonderful human being. I moved down to Atlanta in April of 2017. And when I moved down here, I had the whole life planned out. I'm going to come down here. I'm going to get my nine to five, work this nine to five for such and such amount of time until I'm full time yoga. That's it. Everything was set up, you know, had jobs I was looking for, had the temp agency, had looked for apartments, everything. None of it happened. None of it. Well, yoga happened. Yoga is happening in a big way. But the nine to five, the apartment, no. And Elliot took me in. Elliot took me in and I've been able to stay at his crib the entire time. I've had a roof over my head as I've been out here looking for a job, constantly teaching yoga. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to allow me to stay in his sanctuary, to be another body in his space, but he did. And for that, I am forever grateful. I am thankful that you allowed me to start my next chapter of my life without having too many hardships, you know? And if you're listening to this, I'll be forever grateful to you for your selflessness. It means more than you know. Thank you, Elliot. (laughs) I <laughs> did not say his last name. <laughs> so that's my pay it forward. Okay, so bringing everything to a close, I teach every Saturday in Buckhead at Jean's Body Tech, 700 Miami Circle Northeast. It's $15 for one hour and 30 minutes of intense yoga and deep meditation and visualization. I hope that you're there. You can find me on social media at Scorpiogi. That's S-C-O-R-P-I-Y-O-G. Scorpiogi, all over social media. And you can find the Healing Space podcast on Instagram at under, I mean, not underscore, uh, that, that, all, all lowercase, THS podcast, all lowercase. And on Twitter at underscore THS podcast. Don't forget that you can hit me up with your questions. Either DM me at THS podcast on Instagram or email me at THS at revolutionmultimedia.com. Next week is going to be a full hour of myself and Brandon talking pop culture and anything else that comes to mind. I'm looking forward to having a fun conversation with him as always. Thank you all so much for joining us for episode four of the Healing Space podcast, for engaging with us online and letting us know how you feel. And I can't wait to see you all again. Well, for you all to listen again next week. Until then, namaste.